the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Good morning. Rob Black and Money. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. We had a bit of a Mardi Gras party yesterday on Wall Street as we enter into quote-unquote Lent. Um, Monday, not so good. Tuesday, great. Wednesday, bit of a hangover feel kind of tied towards it. Um, S&P 500 is up one-third of a point. The Dow is down seven. The Nasdaq down one. The 10-year Treasury has floated back up to 2.71%, saying, eh, Russia's not that stressful to us right now. Again, that could all change. Wall Street is kind of fickle. It's a six-month discounting mechanism. And what that means, what that means to you and me in particular, is, what does that mean to you and me? I was talking this morning on television about the transports and how well they're doing. There was, you know, a story that we're going to be flying more this spring than we have in the last six years, the highest level in six years. And if you take a look at the transport stocks, are they at 52-week highs or are they at 52-week lows? As they fall, it tends to be an expectation that, that the economy is falling. As it expands, it tends to be an expectation, as they're at 52 guys, that the economy is expanding. It's because transports do commerce. And that's why when you see a president, whether it's President A, B, or C, whether it's Reagan or Clinton or Bush or Obama, and I forgot one in the last 20 years, I apologize, but it's when you see them say, we're going to put a lot into infrastructure. Those are good things. Because commerce needs a smooth rail. It needs a smooth road. It needs easier ways of getting in and out of airports or more airports. When those three things work, the economy works. So Wall Street is considered a six-month look into the future. The 52-week highs that we had yesterday on the S&P 500 basically say the economy should be doing pretty good in six months. Doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Sometimes it gets a little freaked out. It is an emotional market, but it tends to say this is what we're looking at six months from now. There's always surprises. Two weeks ago, no one was talking about Russia, Ukraine. Then suddenly everyone started talking about Russia, Ukraine. I think we've learned more about the Crimean Sea than we have in the last two weeks than we have in the last 20 years in the United States. So poor weather today was cited in weak private sector hiring report. 
Once again, blame the polar vortex. Polar vortex, you're late for dinner. You've ruined everything. Polar vortex, the private sector employers only added 139,000 jobs last month. But uh, down from February's 205,000 in February 2013. So year over year, it's looking a little weaker. Month to month, it's looking a little bit better. But year over year, it's looking a little bit weaker. February was a soft month for the job market. Employment was weak across all the industries. Bad winter weather, especially in the mid-month, weighed on payrolls. Job growth is expected to improve with warmer temperatures. Now, that's the, the buzz. Expected, right? A lot of women turn 30 and they expect it to be married when they're 25. A lot of men turn 40 and they're like, I expected to have a kid by the time I was 35. Like, expectations don't always lead to fruit. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. Carl Icahn and eBay are at it again. What's interesting is eBay stock keeps going higher and higher and higher on this. So at some point in time, Carl Icahn is just going to cash out and say, you go mess up your company. But it's also bringing up a big culture difference between the East Coast and the West Coast. East Coast and West Coast mergers can sometimes be problematic because there's different cultures. And on the board of directors, if you take a look at you know, Mark Andreessen being on the board of eBay, it does seem like there's conflict of interest. A lot of what eBay is doing, he's investing in smaller companies that are doing similar projects or in a similar realm. Now, Mark Andreessen is considered to be so wildly smart that eBay is willing to turn the head to it. Maybe it's a boys' club, maybe it's not a boys' club. But there's definitely a different culture between East Coast and West Coast where it's maybe a little incestuous here, or maybe it's we just want the brightest people on our boards. Uh, so Carl Icahn and John Donahoe from eBay added again today in the Wall Street Journal, as well as CNBC kind of batting one another. Smith & Wesson, big winner. And now, are you ready for some guns? Woo! Up 16% today. Because, well, people like guns. Um, very strong earnings on Smith & Wesson. And again, it's not something you could totally overlook. They've also lifted their outlook. They've had a higher profit. Smith & Wesson, go ahead, punk, make my day. Revenue for the quarter was up 7.1%. Pistols, particularly what good sellers. I know you're saying, are you making this up? It's fair to say that they hit their target and they're reloading for 2014. Smith and Target hit their target and they're reloading. They reported larger caliber than anticipated in revenue. Come on, I'm trying here. I'm trying. Um, Cabela's, another play on guns. They reported soft gun and ammo sales a couple weeks ago. Sturm Ruger. I know these are all publicly traded companies. You can invest in guns. Ticker symbol RGR, CEO Michael Fiefers, recent conference call, commented on uh, getting expectations down to more realistic levels. But Smith & Wesson, they're saying, hey, Cabela's, we're not you. Sturm Ruger, we're not you. Margins continue to expand. 40% of margins uh, tied towards net sales. That's pretty impressive. Like, if, again, if you did took the company out, the name Smith & Wesson, and just called it XYZ, you'd, you'd want to own this balance sheet. You'd want to own this, this margin company. They expanded their market share. 
much like uh, you've heard companies like uh, Facebook trying to expand their market book. So their channel inventory is real low, whether it's their sport rifles, the polymer pistols, their revolvers. Um, company ended the quarter with $45 million in cash. Its credit line remains untapped. Share buybacks reached a limit due to senior note restrictions on stock repurchases. So it's not a company that's easy to short because there's not a lot of shares out there. Um, those stocks tend to do okay over time. So take a look. Smith & Wesson, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. There's a new study out on retirement readiness. Every state falls short in key uh, factors of retirement readiness. California was amongst the worst. In terms of readiness, Wyoming, Alaska, Minnesota, and North Dakota, strong weakness in California, Florida, South Carolina. Every state has its work cut out, though. Um, there's no one-size-fits-all when it comes to addressing retirement issues. We are a nation of 50-plus states, um, 50 states plus territories. It depends on how you want to look at it. Um, older workers clearly suffer from higher unemployment and lower wages in lower-ranked states. Again, to try to compare California to West Virginia, it's silly. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Facebook fan page, Cron4 Rob Black. Bring me my shotgun. Boy, you can bring just one or two shares. Yes, if I... Public investors are waiting for supply management's non-metals down 15 points, a drop of 0.1%. NASDAQ is lower by a point. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Yeah, I met somebody in a sea of people, and that's just what I believe in. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, I guess in the first segment we talked guns with Smith Wesson. So let's talk a little alcohol in this section and uh, beverages. We could start on the nice level with tea, but let's end with limeritas. Who makes a limerita? Stick around to find out. So Howard Schultz got into tea. It is a growing concept, much like Howard Schultz from Starbucks got into coffee when it was a growing concept. I think it's fair to say Starbucks made us want to give up our instant coffee, and pay way too much money for a cup of coffee. Um, you know, you can pay as little as ten to thirty, ten to fifty cents for a cup of coffee, or you can pay five dollars. But tea is a concept that's growing. Ten years ago, you could have been a small kind of like, hey, I'm gonna open up a tea cafe. 
But Howard Schultz said recently, a year after the acquisition of Tivana, we're convinced more so than ever that we could transform the tea category the way we transform coffee all around the world. It's ripe for innovation. Starbucks plans to open an additional 1,000 North American locations at Tivana. That's a lot of growth. The tea company it bought last year for $620 million. It's part of its latest effort to diversify behind Beyond Lattes. Tea retail stores that the company is known for. Uh, they've launched in New York City, Seattle. Uh, but they're going to launch 1,000 more in the coming years. Starbucks' goal is to combine Tivana's experience in tea merchandising with Starbucks' strength in retail store development and kind of blend the two. Coffee consumption has sputtered in the past few decades while tea consumption has risen. I'm a green tea drinker. Since peaking in 1946 at 46.4 gallons per capita available of coffee, um, it's decreased down to 24.7 gallons per capita um, in 2011, while tea has climbed aggressively during that period of time. So there's a company out there called Argo Tea, which is the biggest competitor. Um, never heard of them. I'll start to look for them. Maybe they're publicly traded. Maybe they're not. Um, but you get the idea. There's tea-based drinks now that, you know, they've started to recruit mixologists like Tea Pacino. I know. Tea with cappuccino mix, right? O-G-T instead of mojito. Uh, mojito. It's a mojiti. Uh, right? Do I think do I think Howard Schultz and Starbucks is going to win this one? I do. Um, any weakness? Let's say the Ukraine gets taken out by Russia by a nuclear strike tomorrow. Wall Street doesn't like it. Ah, panic. I'm buying me some uh, Starbucks. It's on my shopping list. Looking to capitalize on the long success of Bud Light Limerita, Strawberryita, and the seasonal Cranberryita, Anheuser-Busch is doubling down, adding two new permanent flavors to its lineup of margarita-flavored malt beverages. Okay, who's had a margarita-flavored malt beverage? I want someone to email me or call me because I'm going to say disgusting, but maybe not. Clearly, if they're selling, they're selling. So joining Lime Arita and Straw Arita in the Rita franchise is going to be Mango Arita and Raz Arita. The Rita's franchise has been a bright spot in that and has their Bush's portfolio at a time when overall beer volumes are flat. Consumers, especially millennials, are turning to a variety offered by craft beer, wine, and spirits. Anheuser-Busch says the Rita's fr- franchise is helping to capture some of the consumers who are looking outside the beer category. 40% of the volume has come from outside of beer. It has the Bud Light name on it, so it attracts people who are interested in Bud Light brands. Which, again, I use Bud Light, absolutely, to wash my car. I want to save water, and I want to use poor quality beer to you know, cleanse my vehicle. Bud Light Limerita was launched in 2012. It became the second best-selling new product launched that year, behind the Bud Light Platinum Straw Burrita. Um... So Anheuser-Busch product, Starbucks product, Starbucks tea, Anheuser-Busch, going after the margarita camp uh, angle. So there's 18 packs, which, you know, why just stop with six? Who needs just six mangoritas when you could have 18 oritas? The brand has seen success off-premise. That's pretty impressive. When you see brands, think like Polo Ralph Lauren, think Starbucks. And when you hear that concept of off-premise, 
can it now make a push into on-premise in bars and restaurants? So it's an untapped market. I know, you're saying you're full of puns today. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, Look for more seasonal flavors in the future. You know, McDonald's did their brand with Shamrock Shakes. It's that time of year again when the luck of the Irish, you get to go to McDonald's and get a a Shamrock Shake, eh? Eh? So I just mix Canadian and Irish. So it's that time of the year where you get to use your luck of the Irish and get a Shamrock Shake. It's brands. And it works for, you know, um, who's the idiot that I know that is totally in love with uh, pumpkin lattes? Well, that's all I'm going to say. I know someone who's totally in love with pumpkin lattes with Starbucks. So as for who's drinking these, Rita's, it's a little bit more evenly split than you would assume. What did you think of uh, Bud Light Lime Rita or Straw Rita or Cranberry Rita would be mostly women? It's not. Um, it skews slightly more female, but there's a lot of males drinking it as well, so it's interesting to note. Next big story of the day, Yahoo's going to stop letting users access their services with Facebook and Google IDs. You know, you know, sometimes you could sign in with Facebook or sign in with Google, and then, like, if you're playing March Madness, which I think March Madness had, at Yahoo is a billion-dollar prize this year. Uh, I'm sponsored by you into it. But you could log in quicker with Facebook, and you could say, hey, everyone, look at me. I'm playing the how many strawberries can you drink game. Or you could log in with Facebook and go, hey, look, I'm over at Yahoo, and I'm playing their March Madness brackets game. So Yahoo Chief Executive Marissa Mayer, who's striving to spark fresh interest in the company's web products and trying to revive stagnant revenue, is basically going to say you have to register for a Yahoo ID in order to use Internet portal services sponsored by Yahoo. So the sports attorney Pick'em, a service focused on the NCAA college basketball tournament, which we can cite this month, um, you can see what she's trying to do. She's trying to say, you know what, we know Facebook and Google are out there, we're shutting them down. So Yahoo also announced recently to recycle old user IDs, letting users who are new claim ones that are old for people who have walked away from it. So if you want to get that, you know, hotshot stock picker at yahoo.com address, maybe it's available now. I'm not sure. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in there. It's 800-516-1220. The SP 500 is up fractions. The Dow is down 7. The NASDAQ down 1. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. I don't get anywhere near the amount of calls that I should, and I say shame on you. Of course you're driving, and of course you're distracted, and that's good that you don't call. But it kind of sucks. Makes me feel like I'm not loved. <laughs> um, GE boss spent his entire bonus on stock of General Electric. GE is one of those companies that was in the financial industry as well as the airplane engine industry as well as the wind turbine industry 
as well as hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of geez, like a mutual fund of, of business. Where does the story go? So the GE boss, Jeffrey Immelt, spent his entire bonus on buying shares of the company. Wall Street tends to tip a hat at that. Um, he bought about $2.6 million, $25 a share. He is lined up with his shareholders on the direction of that company. Now, it's interesting to note that since the start of the year, GE are down about 8%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down um, about one. So, as far as the Dow Jones Industrials, there's only one other Dow component that's fared worse than uh, GE this year, and that's AT&T. GM, roughly down 10%. AT&T, roughly down 8.8%. GE, down roughly 8.3%. I tend to like that. To me, those are all three companies that don't go on sale all that often. They tend not to get 30 to 40, 50% haircuts. They tend to get 10 to 20%. So GM's got a big issue right now with a recall, and it might make a very attractive entry point. Recalls don't take down companies. 800-516-1220. Was that investment tip, hint, trick? Silver Burger Advisor, Vane Action, and Sucks mentioned on there. But yeah, it was. The SP 500's up one, the Dow's down 13, the NASDAQ up four. Welcome in, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Chad, costs in retirement, a lot of people just aren't prepared to think about retirement, what it means to them, what it looks like, but then they, the cost associated with it. Let's talk about health care costs after the age of 65 when you're retired. Oh, well, it's not free. So people think that they turn 65 and they get on Medicare for free and they've got their majority of the health care covered. You get Medicare Part A for free, which is more of the hospital-type plan. you got B, which has super high deductibles, so people have to get a supplemental plan. So Medicare Part B is about 105 bucks a month. It went up, you know, 2014 didn't go up a lot with inflation, but previous years went up five and, and then before that, 2010, 11, and 12, it was almost double-digit inflation on the, that number. Um, you also pay a lot more. You could pay up to three times the amount of Medicare Part B as your neighbor if you make a lot of money. Just, there's kind of a success tax tied to it. And then your average cost of a Medigap policy throughout your lifetime averages about 210 bucks a month from our studies. And then between either Part D or prescription drugs, co-pays, dental costs, and things like that, averages about 240 a month in retirement. And uh, if you're middle class, in other words, you're retiring with just enough in your portfolio to get through to age 100, you should probably look at long-term care, which could be at 60, 65, another 300 bucks a month. So you're looking at 600 to $850 a month in retirement health care costs that your employer is likely paying a good portion of right now. What's interesting to note about some of that is that um, I don't think people like insurance. And you're talking about getting insurance, and then when you have insurance, it doesn't cover as much as you want it to, right. in particular, like the dentist. Um, Medicare Medi- Medicare insurance in retirement is not much. Um, keep in mind, when you're in retirement, you tend to do what? Like lose teeth. So you're talking about not getting a filling for 300 bucks. You're talking about losing a tooth at, you know, three, four, five, six thousand dollars to get replaced. 
yeah. unless you want to be toothless. And most of the time, private dental insurance isn't worth the cost you know, right. for people our age. Um, so unless your employer has it, it's, it's almost like save the money, create a sink fund for your dental costs and your co-pays, or fund an HSA account if you're eligible and use that. But, yeah, those types of costs, they, they add up. And it, it really, it's very low maybe if you're healthy at 65, but by the time you get to 80, 85, that's when those costs really start kicking in. I sleep with a mouth guard even though I don't have to because I talk to my dentist. He says, you're really not a grinder, so it's not that big of an issue, but the better care you take of your teeth, the longer they're going to last. So I actually put plastic in my mouth every night just so that I don't have to lose a tooth at age 85. Good to know. I know, right? <laughs> preventative maintenance. Let's talk a little bit about preventative maintenance. You talked about HSAs. Um, do you continue to fund them in retirement, do you think? No, you don't fund them after 65. Okay. But So the, the idea with an HSA, I call a super healthcare Roth IRA, because you can put money in pre-tax and take it out tax-free. So you get a double benefit. Unlike a Roth IRA where you put in tax after-tax money and gross tax-free for retirement, uh, HSA, if your company offers it or if you're trying to get it on your own, you get a high-deductible plan. You can put a certain amount in HSA, write it off on your tax, and then when you have health care costs, deductibles, co-pays, you can take the money out. If you have a bunch of money that's left over in there, it can be invested, and at 65, you can take it out to pay for Medicare Part B, long-term care insurance, and all those other costs. So it's great for retirement. Good to know. Good to know. Um, so... Cost of Medicare is going to go up, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I expect Medicare Part B to to continue to rise on average over your lifetime, five to six percent. Okay, five to six percent inflation. Okay, that's higher than. Oh, that's medical inflation versus anything medical. When we're doing financial plans, average costs, normal lifestyle expenses, three to three and a half percent. How about for a portion of our audience who's just dirt broke in retirement? What does their health care look like? Well, the, the problem is that a lot of times they can't afford the supplemental cost, the okay. supplemental insurance. So they go either without or they go broke paying for it. Okay. Um, when, once you go broke to a certain level, you know, you get on Medicaid or Medi-Cal in California for doesn't, certain items. So. Doesn't it seem like the whole supplemental thing got slipped in on us? Like, you and I, when we were kids, we knew Medicare was free. And then suddenly it wasn't. Like, maybe it was just the fact that we just didn't know. Yeah, I mean, it's or maybe it was it was super cheap for my mom and dad or my grandparents, right? No, I mean, it, you know, it's it's always been trying to find, for instance, those supplemental plans. In the last twenty years, if anything, they've always you've always needed one really in retirement to have full coverage. Okay. Um, and then there's always been that donut hole for people that are a certain age that have prescription drug issues. It's more complicated now. I mean. Ask anybody that turns 65 or they're turning 65 and there's a window to sign up. You know, okay. you get penalized if you don't sign up by a certain age. The process that people have to go to to find the right supplemental plan for age 65 is horrendous. It's it's stressful. It's not fun. Yeah. Anyway, with that being said, um, I'm pretty sure that great-grandpa Black paid 29 cents a month for Medicare Part B, and he was angry about it. Just throwing it out there for you. I'm pretty sure costs were that cheap 80 years ago. Anyhow and anyway, you can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Frigid U.S. weather across the United States is a problem. Again, we tend to, where we live, we tend to go, ah, it's not our problem. It's someone else's problem. 
Freezing temperatures gripping the eastern United States will result in the highest electricity prices in six years for consumers in Boston, Dallas, and San Francisco. Wait, wait, in San Francisco? Dallas? Supplies of natural gas and coal will decline to a six-year low by the end of this month. Fuels are used to generate 67% of the country's electricity. Wholesale power for use from April through June in New England traded an average $62 a megawatt. 26% more than a year earlier. The coldest start to a year since 2011 means consumers won't see the normal seasonal drop in power prices. Worthy of note. So, I'm a big fan, and I know this is just, it shows you not how cheap I am. But why set the, uh, you know, the heat at 68, set it at 66, 65, wear a sweater in the house. Sweaters are sexy. Your spouse will go, ooh, what's underneath that big frocky thing? U.S. solar market grows 41%, has a record year in 2013, offsetting the last story. Explosive growth in the solar industry has a record-shattering year. The amount of installations continue to proliferate, increasing 41% year-over-year. We're at 4,751 megawatts uh, over 2013 to over 2012. It's the second largest source of new electricity generating capacity in the United States, exceeded only by natural gas. Now, let's tie this all together. And Chipotle's out there, and they said, you may not have guacamole in the future. They've issued an ominous warning about the effects of climate change on some of their menu items, including brace yourselves, no guacamole. They filed an SEC filing. They're a publicly traded company. They said if weather volatility continues, global climate change could have a significant impact on the price and availability of some of their regular ingredients. In the event of cost increases with respect to one or two of our raw ingredients, we may choose to temporarily suspend serving menu items, such as guacamole or maybe our salsa rather than paying the increased cost of the ingredients. Pretty interesting, huh? Do you want to pay $2 extra for guacamole? Or $0.50 more for salsa? Something you used to get free? Probably not. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. i got events coming up all the time. You can find out more about my events at robblack.com. Money, investing, and more. Um... You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show, Facebook, Rob Black Show. No, no, no. YouTube, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, Facebook, Cron4, Rob Black. And, of course, you can email me, rob at robblack.com. We'll take a break here. A little sweater weather for you. Building up 17% after the gunmaker. You show up, you and let me you're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Hmm. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Hey, where are the calls? Ring. Hi, Rob, I want to ask you about IKEA. Their furniture is really tough to make. I don't get it. Any questions you have, you can pick up the phone and give me a call. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, let's talk about markets. Let's talk about what we're seeing out there. Again, this is a market that had a Mardi Gras party yesterday on Bourbon Street and on Wall Street. Not so much today. 
the I'm not saying the markets are bad today. Maybe I am. Bad market. Bad market. Bad. Um, you're not hitting a new 52-week high. Yesterday we hit 52-week highs. It's pretty glorious. SP 500 is down fractions. The Dow's down 37. The Nasdaq down one. So this is a market that still has a little bit. You know, we had our best day since November, and that's think of it like you worked out yesterday and you did the stair machine and you did six miles on the elliptical and you burned 1,400 calories. There's a pretty good chance that you're going to get on it today and go. You know what? I think 30 minutes is about right. Same thing with Wall Street. So yesterday the Dow was up 4, 1.4%, the NASDAQ 1.8%, the SP 500 up 1.5%. Those kind of moves, when my pa- my dad was alive, when he was my age, that would happen like in three months. So corporate news flow has been a little bit light. The private sector added just 139,000 positions in February, according to an ADP survey, which says that's not good. If you break it down, the goods producing sector produced uh, 19,000 jobs. Um, January employment change level was revised down slightly. Weather, weather, weather. The polar vortex is who we're blaming this, you know, weak party start of the day on. We need to fire up the heaters, open your doors, and push this polar vortex back to Canada where it belongs. They're used to the cold. It's so cold there that I once dated a girl from Canada that said to her, previous boyfriend would keep a bucket by the bed so he didn't have to get up and use the potty. It was that kind of cold. A bucket? Go back to Canada, Polar Vortex. Go back to Canada. Um, let's... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. TJ Oshie. He's the fastest selling jersey in the NHL uh, since the Olympics. Who's TJ Oshie? Well, if you don't watch the Olympic hockey, you don't know. So that ADP employment report, you know, like someone who once dated me said, underwhelming. It was an underwhelming report. Strength today is seen in consumer discretionary, financials, industrials, and technology. Weakness is in staples, energy, materials, and utilities. So there's a little bit of a push towards growth. Um, Yesterday, the whole thing between Russia and Ukraine kind of diffused. Now, I'm not saying it's diffused. It's kind of diffusing. And you saw stocks like Bristol-Myers Squibb do very, very well. Because they don't need Russia or the Ukraine to do very, very well. Volatility in the market. A little bit of uh, volatility protection going on right now. Treasuries are hovering near their lows, 2.71%. 2.70 right now, that's okay. Crude oil is at $102 a barrel. That seems to be a little bit of a problem. Gold's up fractions. Gold finger. Apple's up fractions. Tesla's down fractions. A company that I recently told you that I think could double in the next 18 months, I talked about it at the last seminar, is State Street Bank. Um, I'm not partial, but when a company has enough cash to really up their dividend or up their stock buybacks, I pay attention to it. Like Qualcomm yesterday was up 10% because a year ago they had enough cash they could up their dividends, up their buybacks, or buy companies. They didn't buy companies. They upped their dividend and buybacks. Wall Street likes that. I see the same issue with State Street Corporation. Is it going to pop today? No. I don't know. 
If I knew that, trust me, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be in Vegas. I would own the uh, Bellagio. I'd swim in the. I'd shower in the Bellagio pools with the fountains uh, squirting ever so slightly as my water needs a bait. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Um, this was an interesting one. I, whenever I do seminars, I offer to send notes to anyone who's attended. And I totally was going through emails yesterday, and I have, I have like 300 working emails on a daily basis. I forgot to send someone notes. So he, he was literally down like at number 300 instead of number one. So I sent him the notes from the, the event. And, you know, things like you have to set priorities, you have to make a budget, you have to understand the basics of banking, basics of investing, that it works over time, that it's capitalism. As long as you see people at work, you're going to be okay, more than likely. But uh, is it, like, at your event, you, you mentioned the water pick. Can't suggest that more. Water pick in the shower, awesome. Great way to keep your teeth healthy. Flipboard's buying Zeit from CNN, which acquired the site three years ago. As part of the deal, it's going to integrate CNN content onto Flipboard covering over 300 feeds. Flipboard has proven to be one of the biggest drivers of traffic, so syndicating out content into Flipboard, it's going to be good for CNN. That's a pretty big deal. It's one of those headlines that's like, I don't even know who Zite is and who's Flipboard. I think I've seen it once. Where? I'm not sure. Was it on your Apple product? 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. USA. USA. Uh, I'm chanting USA because I want USA. USA. So it's USA versus USSR. You get the, the angle. It's kind of what Wall Street's a little focused on. You can find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Subscribe to my channel. Please, 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 please. Savvy investors know where to find the best possible investment advice. Be good to each other. If you need an attorney, Sunnydale and San Carlos, this is European. Are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network. This station, its management, insightful, informative, irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news. News and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I say please don't be shy. Pick up the phone, give me a call. Uh, I'd like to do a whole show of calls. I'd like to talk about your opinions on the market. American service sector hiring goes negative. We are a service-based economy. We are not a manufacturing-based economy. There's two services and manufacturing that go hand-in-hand. Hand. 
Closely watched employment sub-index fell to 47.5, reading from January's 56.4 reading. That is a trending lower. It's a steady trending lower. It's the economy plugging along, but at a very slow rate of growth. Passage of the federal budget and subsequent funding appropriations are allowing government agencies to start spending funds on planned new projects. Oil prices continue creeping upwards with chemicals. The cold winter weather has had a major effect on the U.S. when compared to year over year. And winter weather is slowing down projects. So maybe we'll have a little pent-up demand in April when we can't blame the weather anymore. But the services sector really, really, really uh, gives a lot of data. The ISM numbers. And I just gave you four or five of the most important angles that came out of it. Uh, This is boring reading. This is not going to get me, how shall we say, uh, this is not conversation that's going to get people excited. They're not going to go, ooh, that Rob Black just talked about the services industries in the United States expanding in February at the slowest pace in the fourth year. Huge plunge in hiring. Did you hear how he said the word plunge? Plunge. He he put the in in plunge. I know. I know. I'm sorry about it. Phrasing. Okay. Um, Kurt Roaring. Uh, who's Kurt Roaring? He's one of those people that's quoted in a news story. There's news out of the United States about the housing market and how Americans are now starting to get shut out. Now, this is good and bad, and there's no right answers, right? We know the housing, st- uh, housing market hit a high in 2006. It still hasn't come back to it. Some markets have. Some will never. So we know that housing prices fell. We know that interest rates fell. And like, wow, now is the time to buy. I did when the markets fell. I took advantage of of lower prices and lower costs. I also refinanced two or three properties. But now we're at the point where fixer-uppers are out of people's range. Even if you have a high credit score, even if you're trying to qualify for a reasonable home, people are, are coming in with cash deals, and they're beating the person who was the first-time home buyer who doesn't want to have an all-cash deal. So the decline of those buyers now, and again, they are technically slipping. First-time homeowners accounted for 26% of purchases in January, down from 30% a year ago. We need them. We need them to ultimately buy my house or to buy the next house up or to have that person buy my house. So it's a huge problem. You have a ladder of home ownership, and you need first-time home buyers beginning the process of owning and building equity and trading up to a healthier, for a healthy housing sector. That's probably the worst thing I could tell you right now in housing, and it's pretty bad. I know you're saying you're bumming me out. You're bumming me out, Black. I'm turning the dial. I'm going to listen to that that midget and that cancer-smoking woman. Go ahead. See ya. Target, their CIO, resigned in the wake of massive data breach. She's the first kind of like head to roll. Chief Information Officer Beth Jacob. She quit, I think. As a first step in this effort, Target's going to be conducting an external search for an interim CIO who can help guide Target through its transformation. Smith & Wesson shares are shooting higher today. They've reloaded their earnings They've calibrated their projections. Um, They had a great quarter. 
Smith and Wesson makes pistols. Smith and Wesson makes guns. And again, if you're living on the coast of the East Coast or the West Coast, guns probably aren't a way of life as they are a way of life everywhere in between. So just know that. Like for instance, I was watching this guy who's a, a Bear Stearns kind of a insider. He's like, yeah, my brother hunts down in Texas. Like, yeah, yeah, that's about right. So the U.S. solar market growing 41% had a record year in 2013. Perhaps more important than those numbers, though, is the 2013 offered the U.S. solar market the first real glimpse on its path towards mainstream status. There's no doubt that, you know, your children's children will all have solar or some form of it in their community. Frigid weather is driving energy prices higher across the United States. Natural gas is up 32% compared to a year ago. Does it have room to go more? You know, again, this brings up a great thought. So last year's winter, natural gas. Let's take a look at, like, GM. Their stock is down 10% on basically a recall where something went wrong in their vehicles and caused the death of, of human beings, of Americans. And Wall Street doesn't appreciate that, and Main Street, Congress doesn't appreciate that. So Congress is going to get GM in front of them and spank them. Bad GM. Bad GM. And they're going to use that, I told GM they were bad and they killed good citizens like you. Please reelect me. Congress will use it as sound bites. You know it as well as I do. To me, do you want to chase gas up 30%? Are we going to have a cold summer where people are heating their houses? We're finding more natural gas all the time. So supply is not an issue. Demand is. <coughs> Excuse me. I think I got the black lung. Um, 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 um. So, yeah, so GM down 10% as an opportunity. I'm a little more interested in that. There's a new study that came out recently on states and whether they're ready for retirement or not. California, Florida, and South Carolina are the lowest ranked states ready for retirement. Labor markets, even if it improves, the next recession will surely come, and it would be great to have better labor market policies in place protecting older workers. It's typically, surveys find between 70 and 80% of people when asked what they want to do in retirement, they want to work in some form or fashion, such as part-time, or they want to start their own business, or they want to volunteer. So there's a lot of economic insecurity that came out of the last recession. The highest-ranking state for workplace retirement plan participation in 2012 had only 54% of employees participating in a 401k. So even the states that did well, that's massively under expectations. Our aging workforce is a problem. Radio Shack's going to pay their CEOs, uh, I'm sorry, their CEO, $500,000 retention bonus at sales plunge. Some other executives are going to receive 175 to 250 roughly. So can you get that bonus next year of 600000 from this year's 500000 for sticking around while the company goes down the drain? I mean, for sticking around and helping the company turn around. Radio Shack posted its eighth straight quarterly loss, and Jeff Bezos can smell blood. Airlines are going to fly more miles this spring than they have in six years. That's a sign the economy's back, even though it's not full participation. Carl Icahn sent a letter to Ebor, eBay, saying it's the worst company, the worst run company I've ever seen. That stock moves higher. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. 
Got to get first-time homeowners and homes. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Stocks little moved amid Ukraine tension and jobs data. Good day to you. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It's one of those days where there's not a lot of great financial planning stories out there. I think I've given you a pretty good one with General Motors. Being down 10% for the year. But... I'm struggling. Your phone calls would help. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. One of the stories that I think is it, it's intriguing, and people aren't really talking about it, but you will. Roku and smart TVs. Roku announced today that they make set-top boxes that can turn any TV into a web-connected smart TV. For streaming video, I've got a Roku, I've got an Apple TV. Uh, Roku's a little bit, got more content offer than Apple does. I played with the Google Chromecast Chromecast dongle, and it'll get there. So you can plug a dongle into a USB port if your TV has one. It's very similar to Google's Chromecast streaming gadget. It's a little bit bigger than a thumb drive. It plugs into your TV's HDMI port, but it does need that power source. Roku's got over 1,200 streaming channels, including all the standard ones like Netflix and HBO. Roku announced the Roku 3 set-top box last year. It got amazing reviews. Other Roku products will be getting a selection of updates as well. Roku's first streaming box is getting a $10 price cut. They're coming public this year, is my opinion. Um, and more features for the Roku 2, Roku 3. Pay TV. Now, what's interesting to note about this is streaming TV, right? We get it. We get that we don't have to have cable. Now, pay TV providers are moving towards more of a streaming future. There was a deal yesterday between Disney and Dish. It's really tied towards streaming and pay TV in the future. Commitment-phobic pay TV fans may be getting a little bit closer to what they really want. Disney doing a deal with Dish Networks to offer its content, including ESPN and ABC, in the streaming-only service without requiring a set-top box. Analysts out there see this as, you know, step one towards everyone doing more and more, okay, our content doesn't have to go over cable or satellite. Now, that's not to say that, you know, these companies would be aggressive. You know, DirecTV... They let subscribers watch 100 live TV channels at home and 30 channels out of home and on demand. Dish Networks, they got the Hoppa, the Hoppa, and they got the Sling service. Subscribers can watch all of its 290 plus live TV channels as well as DVR recordings on demand at home and away via Wi-Fi or cellular connection. Comcast streams about 40 channels in or out of the house via Xfinity, their TV Go app, which is a pretty good app. 
I've played with it, and uh, for as much crap as I give Comcast and cable companies, um, it's a pretty good service. They've got a new X1 DVR cloud technology service that only is launched in Boston, where it live streams all channels at home and allows viewing of recorded shows anywhere. So let's say you recorded True Detective on HBO Sunday night. You can pull up your phone and watch. Pretty cool. Right? At work. Or your iPad, whatever you want to say. So more and more companies, whether it be Verizon, AT&T U-verse, Cox Communications, Comcast, Time Warner Cable, Dish Network, DirecTV, these guys are all offering different ways other than sitting on your couch. And they have to. It's an industry that's rapidly changing. One area that I think is no one's really talking about is Roku's going to be out when these services get built into TVs because we don't need another box that plugs in. No, no, we don't want another box that plugs in. So fewer cables. I met someone under the age of 35 last year. And she asked her boyfriend to buy her a Kindle because she wanted to get rid of the clutter of books. And I found that fascinating because she wants to get rid of the clutter of books. Now, stay with me for a second. Don't go. But I want to get rid of the clutter of wires. Like, aren't the best, coolest-looking apartments ones that, like, everything's built into the walls and you don't see wires hanging everywhere? They kind of are, aren't they? So, in order to do that, I think the next app battleground, and this is where Roku's going to get hurt... It has to be built into TVs. And who makes the most popular TV right now? Samsung. So Samsung's in the position of they can decide what goes on their TVs and what doesn't. And that can keep companies like Apple and companies like Roku saying, okay, these outside boxes with wires are kind of important. The App Store phenomenon centered on smartphones and then centered on tablets. It's been the biggest story in software in the last 5, 10 years. Obviously, the next destination for app stores is the living room via smart TVs and set-top boxes. Smart TV apps represent the latest threat to struggling pay TV industry. We believe that the next Apple television product is going to have some motion-sensoring technology in it so that when you're on Apple TV, you can go to their store and maybe buy a dancing game. And then you can dance around your living room while playing a game that your Apple TV product is watching you and translated into moves. So watching TV is no really – it's flipping channels. I remember when you had to get up pre – I know this is so aging me – pre-remote control days and turn the channel. And it was, it was a battle. Like you and your brothers would be like, you go change the channel. No, you go change the channel. I'm staying right here. I'm not moving four feet to the TV. And your brother would beat you up or something, right? And then the remote comes along, and flipping channels is a little bit different. So finding the right content portal is going to replace flipping channels. So if you have a child today, he ain't going to know channels. I don't think so. Smart TV app revolution is inevitable. It's always great to hear Mike Tyson try to say inevitable, because he said, inedible, in- in- inedible. No, it's not that you can't eat it. It's, go- it, it, it's going to happen. Inevitable. So the smart TV app is going to happen with or without Mike Tyson. People spend four hours a day in front of their TVs. 63% of all global ad spending goes into TVs. The old guard represented by cable and entertainment companies like ABC, NBC, CBS, they're not going to fend off improvements like apps. What apps did to mobile phones, apps are going to do it to TVs. There's plenty of barriers to a successful TV-based app ecosystem. Um, 
so Chromecast released their, you know, um, developers kit. So how will that play out in the future? Apple will de- release a developers kit as well to kind of like help support that industry. Apple and Google seem like logical TV app leaders. Both of them have great skill in marketing platforms. There's a lot at stake here. $350 billion in global TV ad spending. TV, gaming, movies, related services, and infrastructure. So that's where I'm going to be studying a lot to figure out how I to put out my investment dollars. Um, and I know it's going to happen. <laughs> Famous last words, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can find me on Facebook, Cron4 Rob Black. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. You can get a stream of this show at kdow.biz. Take a break here. We'll be right back. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now, as he does every Wednesday at this time, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, let's talk service industries. Economic data that came out this morning, growing at the slowest pace since 2010. What did you see inside those numbers? I actually thought that uh, it was pretty funny that uh, Mark Zandi continues to press ahead that, uh, you know, weather conditions are the reason for the poor employment numbers in February and then quotes that, uh, um, you know, lawyer jobs, you know, for example, fell because lawyers couldn't get into their office. And, you know, the payroll numbers are not the fact that you showed up to work. The payroll numbers are, are based on if you got paid to go to work. And most attorneys I know, you know, I'm sure got paid at some point during the week, you know, uh, in February when the conditions were there, even if it was poor weather. You know, people are overblowing, you know, the the weather conditions and making it seem that, uh, you know, the economy is just poised for a slowdown now and then a bump up later when really it's turning into, you know, a cyclical trend that we're seeing slow growth, you know, multiple sectors across the entire uh, U.S. economy. So inside those numbers, and I was taking a look at them a little bit earlier, and you could read them far better than I can, I saw some healthcare issues um, where job creation inside of the healthcare industry seems to be paused, maybe because of the Affordable Care Act, i.e. Obamacare. What are you seeing inside the numbers? I don't look at one month over one month as, as any indicator of how things are. I know that the... Um, the ISM non-manufacturing uh, report that came out today, uh, they give some tidbits on what people are saying to uh, the ISM when they're reporting on the surveys, and uh, they reported that uh, at least one company was complaining that um, in the healthcare industry that uh, Obamacare was hurting profits and hurting uh, hurting business. Um, but I, it's difficult to take that as 
one you know one company's perspective on what's going on and, and translate into an entire uh, economic situation. Um, really, with Obamacare, I, I don't think we're going to get a full understanding of how the mandates and everything affected job growth until next year. Um, really, what I want to look at is seeing if companies transitioned from small, you know, the under 50 uh, employees that are not um, required to follow uh, the Affordable Care Act transfer, you know, an increase in employment to the, you know, 50 or above that now have to uh, provide insurance. If you see a slowdown in the number of companies that make that transition, you can possibly make the argument that Obamacare is stunting job growth because it's keeping companies from expanding at their natural rate because companies don't want to take on the extra costs. But until those numbers come out and, and they're not going to be available for, you know, Force for 2014, we're not going to get it until sometime in 2015. So it's going to be a little bit before we can make any kind of assumption on uh, how the Affordable Care Act is playing out. Is it fair for me to ask you a follow-up question of what's your opinion of Obamacare Affordable Care Act as far as its impact on the economy, or did you just say it, that we need a little bit more data? I mean, you need a little bit more data. I mean, if you look at, you know, just a, a positive over positive. So in January, you get a lot of Medicaid recipients and newly qualified Medicaid recipients. And if you looked at the income and the consumption report, it uh, Medicaid transfers, even though it doesn't go to the Medicaid recipient, counts as income because it's a government transfer that pays for something that, that you're using. So you had a big increase in income as a result of transfers. And it turned into a 0.3 percentage uh, increase in consumption because of that additional health care. So in terms of economic effects, that's a net plus. The question is, you know, if you are not utilizing Obamacare and you're, and you're spending on, um, you know, on insurance that doesn't being used, is, is, it, is it an adequate service? I don't know. Um, you know, are companies lowering their uh, employment targets because of Obamacare, I don't know. You know, it, those offsetting uh, circumstances could be large and they could, you know, make economic growth weaker over the long term. It's just not known yet if that's going to be the case. So I heard somebody say today, and I thought this was, was kind of interesting. I don't know if this is in your wheelbarrow of things you could talk about, wheelhouse. Um that maybe hospitals are going to have to go national, be nationalized in the United States for Obamacare to truly work. Have you looked at the effects on the healthcare industry side of like doctors and nurses and the ramifications? That you I know? haven't spent much okay. time as a researcher on the private industry of healthcare. I, I'm not. I'm not qualified enough to understand uh, how hospitals run and whatnot. What I can say is that the reason why liberals push for the single payer is that it is a cheaper system overall. I mean, and that's because you're required to have health care. Everybody's paying into it, so you don't have those healthy people that are not you know, that are willing to take, you know, some kind of uh, penalty because they don't want to get Obamacare, they don't want to pay for insurance, that penalty goes away because you're paying for it in your, you know, overall taxes. So 
you know, there, there, it does make sense on that end, but, you know, it, it would harm, you know, what type of hospital system there is. It would reduce, you know, possibly reduce the private industry and in the end could reduce job growth, which is, you know, the conservative argument against why uh, you have the single payer. So let's change the page to something that wasn't even in our headlines a week ago when I last spoke with you, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com. Russia and Ukraine. As an economist, what's your perspective? The ties to the U.S. aren't that strong. Um, okay. I mean, the, big, the biggest thing that we have to worry about in, is basically how our trade partners will react if there's some kind of spike in nat gas prices or oil prices in general, if Russia somehow uh, diverts, you know, or th- you get some kind of boycott of, of Russian goods. Um, from what I've been reading, it looks like the, U- uh, the euro area has about a 50-day supply or a little bit less than that of nat gas, and, you know, the weather is warming up in the U.K. It's, 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 or sorry, not the U.K., but, but Europe in general. So I don't know if that's going to uh, make that supply last longer or not. But, you know, if you see costs going up in Europe, which could, you know, harm an already fragile economy, it could hurt U.S. export growth, but you know the direct ties to the U.S. are, are pretty small. I read an article about the Americans being shut out of the housing market. So basically, 2006 happens, housing market corrects, interest rates go lower, prices go lower, a lot of investors have come in, and now it seems like the people who are under 30 they haven't gotten into the home. But what was interesting was in the article was. The quote is, we have a ladder of home ownership, and we need first-time home buyers beginning to own because they eventually will build equity and they'll eventually trade up. Is that an unhealthy sign to you, our housing market? Do you see the unhealthy signs, or do you see healthy signs? Where are you at, in this debate? I actually wrote an article that was on our website uh, last week, and uh, was we, I posted it to Seeking Alpha, too. It could be found uh, searching my name, Jeffrey Rosen, about that circumstance, and there was actually a Bloomberg article on it today, um, it's bad. I mean, the fact is you have affordability conditions weakening for first-time home buyers, and you have the lowest amount of first-time home buyers in forever. I, I can't even remember the last time uh, first-time home buyer percentage is what it is. And you're having all this price growth because you're having competition from investors. Well, once the prices get to a point where the return for investment, you know, goes negative, you stop buying those. So then what happens? You either have to have prices fall, which is, you know, what's going to happen on the low end, or you have to have, uh, you know, some kind of increase in income to drive up the uh, the first-time home buyer so that they could afford the house. And, you know, my little, uh, my looking at it just thought that the, 2013 price increase, it was like a 13.5% increase in prices on the Case-Shiller, is a mirage. You know, it's all based on demand that's not stable, it's it's not sustainable. And once those people leave, you're left at a price level that is not, that is too high to support where current income is, which means that you're going to have to have prices decline in order to attract buyers. And it, it makes it a very scary notion that, uh, that the housing market and sales growth will continue as, it, as what we've seen. So we've got about one minute. Anything that you want to talk about that you see in the upcoming economic data that's relevant? 
Well, just look for jobs on Friday. I mean, uh, the ADP number that came out today was was, was poor. It was below expectations, um, but I wouldn't look into too much on the ADP number. It, it's been a very bad indicator of the uh, what the employment report says, especially on the uh, the first number that comes out and the one that the market seems to care the most about. So. You know, concentrate on what's going on there. You know, don't take the ADP as what it is, but uh, be wary that job growth is, is returning, you know, with a vengeance anytime soon. Thank you very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, also known as Dr. J, but he's from Chicago, so maybe we have to call him JR. Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com. His article last week on the first-time homeowner being priced out of the market, and it creates an unhealthy ecology. You grasp that. Old gorillas need mid-sized gorillas. Mid-sized gorillas need young, hot babies that are growing up, become baby makers. Like, we're missing a generation here. You get it, try to implement it. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find me on Rob Black Show at Twitter and YouTube. And you can find more about briefing at briefing.com. Stock market is not the only long-term retirement country dozens of times, and there's one fluctuating the S&P 500. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Let's go to a quick phone call. Let's go to VJ in Palo Alto. Hi. Hi, VJ. Hi, Rob Black. Well, good morning. So I have a question on uh, investing style, like whether to go sector-based or cap-based, very interested in small cap, mid-cap, large cap kind of stuff, or invest in a uh, particular sectors? Um, I think you're asking a great question. I think you can do either or. Um, With that said, sector-based may miss some international exposure for you that large cap would get. Um, I probably, you know prefer index funds versus sector funds if we're three or four beers into an argument. You know, sober, I, I like both ideas. But with a little buzz on, I'd say, you know, the, the index-based, you know, large cap, mid cap, small cap, you can get growth and value of each. That's six choices for your 401k or for your 403b, 457, or just for general purposes. And then you could add some extra things like new opportunities, maybe commodities, maybe real estate investment trusts and income ideas. But I'd probably go index, me, again, just off-the-cuff argument. I'd probably go indexes on size and then add a little bit of flavor with uh, the sector angle. You know, healthcare, I think, is a great sector for the next 100 years. Um, everyone kind of knows that. But as we age, we're going to use more healthcare, and I, you know, the cost will get cheaper on some levels. But I don't think it goes as cheap as, say, flipping burgers on the, you know, um, restaurant level. So I think you ask a good question. Thanks for the call, BJ. 
how you approach investing, you know, fortunately, BJ didn't say, hey, what do you think about, what do you think about, uh, you know, trading? You know, he's thinking the right way, at least. I, I think that's great. Makes me happy and proud. 800-516-1220. Interesting article from, um, there's a company called Eventbrite. It's run by a woman named Julia Hartz. And she's quoted today as saying, San Francisco rent is starting to seriously suck. I just signed a lease that made me want to throw up. So her Eventbrite, which does ticket giveaways, organizers, I, I use Eventbrite for my seminars, for instance. Um, they've sold over $2 billion of tickets. It's on pace to sell a billion dollars worth of tickets this year. It employs 300 people. She just renewed Eventbrite's lease for triple the rent that she was paying two years ago. It's right across the San Francisco Chronicle building. And it kind of freaks her out. Now, I own a home in San Carlos on the peninsula. It's five miles north of Palo Alto. It's 25 miles south of San Francisco. It's 25 miles north of San Jose. It's, it's within a reasonable commute of three major things. All of the tech companies in Cupertino. It's Facebook. Um, it's, not, it's got you know, the draw from San Francisco. It's got the draw from San Jose. I would call it an ideal location for jobs. I feel comfortable saying that. Do I feel comfortable knowing that I'm one earthquake away from being humbled? Absolutely. But proximity to the Silicon Valley is pretty interesting. The truth is, right now, with very few exceptions, tech companies have started moving northward. So they find areas like San Francisco becoming too expensive. They may move to Marin. They may move to San Mateo, southward. You know, north of Palo Alto and Mountain View, still close enough to San Francisco. Um, people are trying to find less expensive real estate because those 300 employees that Eventbrite has in San Francisco, they could still jump pretty easily to San Mateo or Burlingame or San Bruno. But a lot of companies, you know, where their location is, it's important. At some point in time, if San Mateo becomes as expensive as San Francisco and Palo Alto, people are going to say, you know what, I'm going to pay you the same amount of money, but we're all going to move to Seattle. You're going to have a better lifestyle as far as savings goes. You're going to have a better lifestyle as far as you're going to be able to afford a bigger home. And people will relocate. Again, you need some of the infrastructure. Again, you need a lot of the talent. But whether it be San Francisco or Denver or San Diego when you hear someone say, I paid triple rent that I was paying two years ago, maybe she got a good deal two years ago. Maybe she didn't. But it also tells you that corporations are willing to move. I hope you see that. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. It's like you and your spouse. You could have a million-dollar small home on the peninsula, or you could have a million-dollar huge home anywhere else in California. Um, again, exclude L.A., exclude San Francisco, but you get the idea. Or you can have a huge home in other parts of the country and have $500,000 spending cash. So at some point in time, your sugar booker is going to say, you know, let's do it. Let's do it. The economic incentive is far outweighed the, the advantages of being close to something. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. 
money investing and more. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I've got a newsletter you can sign up for free. It's at Rob Black and your money. I finally figured out the triggering device in the newsletter um, at robblack.com. Go to robblack.com, hit newsletter, and send. it'll basically sign you up. You'll confirm your email address, and uh, I'll get that going on you as soon as I can. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't forget to listen to the new Focus on Wealth show, 1 to 2 p.m. here on KDOW AM 1220. That show deserves a little more attention. Um, at the recent seminar, we asked how many people listened to the show, and no one raised their hand. My listeners need to jump over there because it's a good financial planning show. Today from 1 to 2 a.m. 1220, KDOW, new focus on wealth. I'm Rob Black. Take a break here. Talk to you in 22 hours. Thanks for listening, and thanks for the support. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com. <laughs> 